led to maybe uh, go into a little uh, a deeper discussion of faith here on Wednesday nights. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Last week we looked at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6, and it says over there, it says, For in circumcision or uncircumcision avails nothing but faith which worketh by love. Yes. Faith which works by love. Amen. Yes. And of course we know that so often that that uh, scripture is taught like, hey, if you treat people right, then your faith will work. And that's how that, that, that scripture is so often taught. Now, of course, that is true. We have to treat people right. Oh, yeah. That's not, uh, actually, if you hear someone preaching that, uh, it's not actually wrong. However, it's not the, 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 the deeper meaning of that, that verse. Because sometimes we can get it backwards real quick. We can think, you know what, I'm going to receive because I'm walking in love, therefore my faith works, so I'm going to get what I'm believing God for. Well, we have to be careful because the next thing you know, we've turned love into works. God never wanted to inspire uh, or to motivate our faith based on what we did. He wants to motivate and inspire our faith based on what He did. Hallelujah. I don't think that I'm going to receive from God because I do, you know, because I've been so good and I've been, you know what I mean? You don't want to depend on your own morality. You don't want to depend on your own integrity. You want to depend on God's integrity. Amen. Now, that's not to say you won't live a life of integrity. You won't live a life of love. Of course you will. But we got to make sure to to know where that's inspired from. I don't have love for people to try to get something from God. I have love for people because of the great love that God showed for me. And since he loved me with such a great love, an extension of my faith is to love people the way God loved me. Amen. I'm not loving people to try to get something out of God. There's no hidden agenda. We've got to make sure that there's no selfish agenda to compassion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Compassion isn't selfish. Amen. Love isn't selfish. Love isn't, let's say, here, I'll treat you right to try to bend God's arm in my favor. You don't need to bend God's arm in your favor. He's already in favor of you. He already loves you. He already highly esteems you. He has bestowed the greatest level of favor upon you. Amen. Hallelujah. And we saw this last week in Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. It says, God, who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? So when you received Jesus Christ, you received at the highest level. And people act like receiving Christ is the lowest level of faith. No, it's the beginning level. However, it's the highest gift you can receive. So when a sinner uses faith, to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, they've extended the full reach of their faith. Amen. To believe that God sent His Son, to believe that God put the sin of the world upon His Son, that He died on the cross, three days later He rose again, and when a sinner says, Lord, I believe that You're the Son of God, I believe that You died on the cross, I believe that You rose again so that I could have right standing with God. That is the furthest extension of faith. In everything else, now that you've received on the highest yes. level, everything else is a shorter reach of faith. That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. Healing is not a further reach than, than salvation. It's a shorter reach. How shall he not with Christ give you all things? That's right. That's right. That's so now that you're in Christ, that you've received at the highest level, 
Amen. It's nothing for God to, 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 to bless you and to see that the goodness of God is manifesting in your life. Whether it's healing, whether it's all your needs met, whether it's prosperity, whether it's freedom from depression, whether it's getting a new job, having children you believe in God for, uh, 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 having your marriage restored, whatever it is. Amen. To believe God for those things. How shall he not also in Christ freely, freely give you all things? Why can he say he'll freely give you all things? Because Jesus must have paid for it all. He did. He did. It must be paid. Yes. It didn't say he would give you all things at a price. It says he'll freely give yes. you all things. Meaning when that blood was, was shed for the forgiveness yes. of your sins, it must have transcended just your forgiveness. It must have gone past your forgiveness and gone into every area of your life and paid the debt, paid the need, paid for everything that would ever that's you would require right. in this life that's right. That's right. the blood of jesus did not just just uh, pay for my my sins right the blood of jesus paid for my life yes paid for my sins paid for my healing paid for my prosperity paid for everything i'll need it paid for the the strength of my marriage it, pra- it paid for the strength of my children it paid right it paid for the endurance I need to, to fulfill my calling. It paid the, the, all everything I need. That blood of Jesus, it, it, paid, it paid for this building. It, it, it paid for my cars. It, it paid for my house. It paid. It went in and it paid. Why? Because all things are freely given to you in Christ. God said, since I gave you Jesus, all things will be free. Of course, you're going to have to believe. You're going to have to spend and use your faith. But we just need to understand what motivates uh, our faith. I'm not trying to treat people right so my faith works. I know my faith works because Jesus was given for me. Hallelujah. And I don't love people to try to bend God's arm. I love people because I'm so highly loved by God. And I would never be a hypocrite to say I need that great grace and that tremendous sacrifice of love and then be unwilling to walk in love myself. Jesus is our example. Yes. Amen. Amen. I walk in love because he walked in love. Yes. Glory yes. to God. Amen. 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 We're going to go over to Matthew 18. Tonight we're going to talk about four kinds of dirt. <laughs> four kinds of dirt. Amen. You think, what are you talking about, Pastor Tim? Well, you'll, you'll know that I'm going to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to go to verse 18. And I'm talking about the parable of the sower. And a lot of you have heard the parable of the sower before. However, maybe there's some here that you haven't heard the parable of the sower. Jesus taught about the kingdom of God using parables. And what a parable is, is basically a story or a representation of how the kingdom of heaven works. Or how the kingdom of heaven operates. And Jesus brought us these principles. Uh, He told the disciples, he says, I've spoken to you in all things in parables that you may know how the kingdom of God operates. Why? Because the Bible says that Jesus would what? Have the government, the government will be upon his shoulders, right? He was there to declare the government of heaven on this earth. When when it says that the government is upon his shoulders, when Jesus originally showed up, he was not coming as a political leader. Now, there will come a time, the Bible says, in the millennial reign where Jesus will sit on a throne in Jerusalem and rule the world for 1,000 years. Okay, that is yet to come. However, when he came the first time, he didn't come as a political king. Right? He came as, as what? The lamb, the sacrificial lamb. And he still had the government upon his shoulders. But it wasn't a government that was going to overthrow Rome. 
It was a government of the kingdom ruling principles of heaven. And when Jesus came, he's like, let me show you how heaven works. So you can govern in this life by the same principles that heaven uses. See, heaven is victorious. How many of you know that everything there is in complete victory, no defeat, nothing lacking, nothing being held back? Well, what keeps heaven in complete victory all the time? It's the principles that govern it. And what's going to keep you in complete victory all the time? The principles that govern heaven, right? So when Jesus came over here to Matthew chapter 13, verse 18, he's going to start explaining the parable of the sower. The word sower just means a planter, a farmer who went out and cast seed into the ground to try to harvest a crop, right? Remember, and he said, and and the sower sowed seed, but some of the seed landed on the roadside or the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it up. Some seed fell on the stony ground, and it grew up real quick, but then it, 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 it died in the heat of the sun because it had no root. Some seed was cast among thorns, and the thorns choked it, right? And it became unfruitful. And then some were sown into good ground, and the good ground produced 30, 60, and 100-fold fruit, right? Right? And now he's talking about four kinds of soil. One is the roadside, two is the stony ground, three is the, where the thorns grow, and the fourth kind of ground is the ground that we're all purposing to be. That's good ground. So you have to purpose and determine in yourself that you're going to be good ground. You're going to have to decide every day that you're going to be the right kind of dirt, right? That you're going to be the good kind of dirt. That you're going to produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. What that means is that your life produces fruit and increase for the kingdom of God. The Bible says, Jesus said over there in John chapter 15, right around the ninth verse, he said, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. He wants us to bear much fruit. What's fruit? Well, he wants us to get other people saved. That's fruit. That's great fruit. That's the best kind of fruit there is, right? He wants us to walk in divine healing. That's the fruit of the kingdom of God. He wants us to walk in divine peace. That's fruit of the kingdom of God. He wants us to walk in divine prosperity, which is the fruit of, of the kingdom of God. He wants us to have godly children, which is the fruit of the kingdom of God. He wants us to, to, to ha- have strong witness. He wants us to partake in the supernatural, the miraculous, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Those are all fruit of the kingdom of God. Amen. He wants us to bear fruit. He wants us to bear joy, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, meekness, and self-control against which there is no law, right? Galatians 5, 22 and 23. So he wants you to abound in love, peace. He wants you to abound in peace. He wants you to abound in joy, abound in patience, abound in gentleness, abound in humility. Those are all fruits. Of the kingdom of God. Amen. Folks, it's my responsibility uh, as a pastor and more specifically as your pastor. It is my responsibility to let you know some things that are coming down the pike. uh, Not just for this church, but for the body of Christ. For those children of God that have stayed the course and have stayed faithful to God. Let me tell you what. Not just this church, but those that have manned their post. Those that will not give up will not give in, and they won't give out, right? right. Those that have stayed faithful, I'll tell you what, we are right right around the corner is a great blessing for the people of God. There's provision right around the corner, okay? 
There's not, there, there, there's new homes. There's new lands. There's new jobs. There's pay increases. There's children. There's, there, there's stuff. It's coming. But the year 2012, right now, as we stand, is a year of transition. It is a year of transition. And there's a lot of repositioning, and there's a lot of things that are being shaken up right now. Okay? And one, God's trying to get you into a position to receive. I'll tell you what. I mean, we're starting to see it now, but I'll tell you what. Again, I just keep saying this. We're, we're seeing it come to pass. How many of you remember uh, uh, the confession, the vision that we brought up, some things that the, the Spirit of God inspired in me, that on November 5th, 2011, the Spirit of God just had me write down the vision, said one year from now, November 5th, 2011, this church will have grown substantially in anointing souls saved, yes. right? Yes. Yes. And financial deliverance that will astound our ranks. Well, let me tell you what, this church has grown substantially over the last uh, couple months in, in, in anointing. Oh, yes. Substantially. You can tell our Sunday morning services are growing. There's people being saved every week. There's more and more people that are attending our services. So it's, it's happening. And here we go. We are, we are entering into a season of transition. And now God wants us to get into position to receive. However, the devil wants to get you out of position to receive. He wants you to stop serving. He wants you to stop giving. He wants you to stop walking in faith. He wants you to stop walking in love. He wants to get you out of your man post. He wants to get you away from church. He wants to get you distracted. He wants to pull you away so you don't receive what is coming here in this by the end of this year and actually the spring of 2013. I'm just telling you, in the spring of 2013, by that time and within that time, there's just gonna there's gonna be testimonies abound. There's testimonies will abound. So we need to make sure that we're the right dirt. Why? Because the right dirt is gonna receive. Right? You know that the dirt or the ground is a metaphor for your heart. It's got to be the right heart. You got to be in a position to receive. It's my job to let you know that these things are coming. These things are coming. I don't know about you, but I'm planning on walking into it. I'm, I'm planning on enjoying it. I tell you what, there's a lot of people right now that are being tempted to, to be pulled away or to, to, to miss the, the season. Don't miss the season. Because I'm just telling you, it's right around the corner. Praise the Lord. Praise God. So let's read this. Verse 18, Jesus says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sword. Jesus said, I'm going to explain the parable of the seed and the parable of the dirt, right? The seed being planted in the dirt. Now, the seed is the word of God that's being preached. Now, I didn't say it's the word of God necessarily that you read. It's the word of God that's being preached, right? Look at verse 19. Jesus says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, right here in my hand is the word of the kingdom, the principles of how God's kingdom works. Right? That's what the Bible is. Yes. It is the principles of how God operates. Amen. And when you walk in these principles, they work. Yes, Hallelujah. They when anyone hears, no, it didn't say anyone reads. It says when anyone hears. How many of you know, you, you, of course, you need to meditate on the word, but you need to hear the word. Yes. You need to hear the word. When anyone hears the word, why? What's the Bible say in Romans ten seventeen? Faith cometh by hearing and by hearing by the word of God, right? 
So we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. So you could say it this way. Jesus said, when anyone hears the word and faith is grown in their heart. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. So that's what's happening here. When anyone hears the word of faith from the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one, Satan, and catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside or on the roadside. You know that a roadside is, is hard, it's compact, right? Hard-hearted. Verse 20 says, But he that received the seed into stony places, or stony ground, what that means is that there's a thin layer of soil over rocks, right? And so there's not a, a depth of soil there. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and imme- that word anon, that's King James for immediately, And immediately, with joy, they receive the word. Yet they have not root in themselves, but they endure for a while. For when tribulation, that means trouble, or persecution arises because of the word, by and by, he is offended. Mm. Notice what it said. It said, because of tribulation and persecution, because of the word. So we thought that we came to church to make life easier. No, we come to church to walk in victory. Right? Amen. But notice that trouble comes for the word's sake. That trouble's going to try to come and get you to doubt the word. All right? So we're going to go back over this. In verse 22, it says, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he, or the heart, that hears the word. And the care of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. So that's the third kind of ground. Here's the fourth kind. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the good ground uh, is he that heareth the word and understands it, which also bears fruit, bringing forth some hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. Hallelujah! A hundredfold return in your life. Thirtyfold return, sixtyfold return, increase, multiplication. That is the plans and desires for God for your life. What? Multiply you 30, 60, and 100 fold. And yet there's religion out there telling people to take a vow of poverty. No, we should be humble. But God wants to, it's not just financial. He wants you to, to receive a 100 fold joy in this life. That if the world is enjoying life, you are to enjoy a 100 fold more. Hallelujah. We we should be able to enjoy our kids a hundredfold. Enjoy our jobs a hundredfold. Walk in joy a hundredfold. Have our bills met a hundredfold. Right? Right? Have our bodies healed a hundredfold. A hundredfold power free from addictions, right? 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 Free from wrong nature. A hundredfold. Thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. God wants to multiply. He wants to bless. He wants to increase. That is what God says. Like, look, look what these principles do. They want you to receive more. Yes. That's right. That's more. Right. More peace. More joy. Yes. More. 30, what's, what's, what does your life look like 30 times better than it is right now? What does your life look like 60 times better than it is now? What would your life look like 100 times better with the increase in promotion of God? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, notice that this is clearly a parable about faith. 
Because God wants you to receive. He wants you to receive. He wants you to have. Okay, now please do not misunderstand me and think that I'm up here preaching about you having selfish things. Because you have to understand. See, people say, well, he's up there uh, 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 preaching about uh, being selfishly rich and, and having selfish things. No, I'm not. No, I'm assuming that you're born again with the nature of God, and the nature of God is not ever selfish. I'm assuming that you're born with the love nature of God, that you would assume the best. That you understand that the more uh, that your life is blessed, the more the people around your life are going to get blessed, and the greatest, the greater witness and light you're going to be. If you're here just to to try to uh, uh, to play a game with God, just to get something out of Him, well, then your 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 heart's wrong, and you won't receive. I'm not here just to try to get something out of God. However, in this life, he wants you to have 30, 60, and 100 fold. Amen. Hallelujah. So we know that this parable is a parable of faith. And this is what's coming on the, uh, knocking on the door of the body of Christ. 30, 60, and 100 fold is on the doorstep for those of you that will continue, those of you that have manned your posts, those of you that won't give up or give in. Amen. It's upon the door. Amen. And I'm going to teach you tonight how to make sure that you're in position to receive. Amen. Okay? Over this next year, there's just going to be testimonies. You wait and see. Yes. There's going to be testimonies because you stayed where God wanted you to stay, yes. or you went where God wanted you to go. You did, you served where God wanted you to serve. Yes. You gave where God wanted you to give. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's get into the kinds of dirt, shall we? Yeah. You want to dig in the dirt? Yeah. My boy's always saying, we want to play in the dirt. Well, tonight we're going to play in the dirt. Amen. Matthew 13. Praise the Lord. This parable is about those that receive and those that do not. Notice, just, just some, some general things first. Notice only one out of four soils get anything. One out of four. 25% of those that hear the word. I'm not talking about those that are skipping church, that aren't hearing the word. Notice the first thing about all four of these soils that every single one heard. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Every single one of them must have been in some kind of place to hear the word. Absolutely. If, the, if you're someone that will not be where the word is being preached and the word is being spoken, you're not even, you're not even on the map. You're not even on the chart. You're not even, you're not even qualified to be good ground. Yeah, yeah, right. Until you're at a place where you have positioned yourself to hear the word. So now notice that 25% of those that hear the word. Isn't that why you come to church? You're not trying to fulfill some attendance policy. You're not trying to, you know, to do it out of works. You're not trying to keep the pastor happy. My goodness. Though I tell you what, it does help the pastor. (laughs) I like to see you. I like to see when you're not here, I do wonder where you are. That doesn't mean you have to tell me every time you go on vacation or something. Some people do. That's not a problem. You understand. But uh, 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 you understand. But why are you here? You should be here with the motive. I'm here to hear the word. I'm here to hear the word of God, right? But notice only 25% of those that put themselves in a position to hear the word will ever get, receive anything. So this isn't just 25% of people. This is 25% of people that hear the word. All right? So don't, do not wonder as you come to church and, and wonder why, of course, we're growing and we're growing fast. But I tell you what, we could have grown a lot faster by now if we compromised some things. 
If we stop, if we sowed less word and sowed more convenience, more comfort, if we if we sowed more of the, the dog and pony show, the smoke machines, the razzle dazzle lights, and all that stuff that churches are bringing the culture of the world into the church, and, and what they're doing, you need to remember this. Never ever forget this. You ready? The more that man puts on a show, the less God will put on a show. Never, never forget it. If you want, if you want to uh, be in a church, and they got the show. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a, it's a show. Uh, it is laser lights. It is smoke machines. It is razzle-dazzle. It is dancer, you know, all this stuff that's going on in the body of Christ. There are so many churches that are being pushed in. Their, their churches are more like seminars. Where they're like, the, they're informational. You go there and you'll get some information. I don't want to be an informational church. I want to be a revelation church. Where it's not about the razzle dazzle of man, it's about the glory of God. And I'll tell you what, if man fills the room with smoke, how will you know when God fills the room with smoke? You know what I mean? If you, if you got the fake stuff, how will you recognize the real stuff? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If man's trying to put on a show and, and man is, is, is rehearsing the Holy Ghost right out of church. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean that our, our music team doesn't rehearse. Of course they do. But you know what I mean? They got so much planned. They can't, they, they, they go, and I'm not talking about our church. Our worship team isn't led this way. They're, they're a spirit-led worship team. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But I'm talking about they plan it so much like a concert of the world. I don't know what got me off to preach on this. But we just need to remember that the more that man puts on a show, the less God is going to put on a show. You know why the churches of America are losing their miracle working power? Is because they're trying to do it through the strength of man. God's power is not investing in those places. If man, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, God will not do by miracle what man can do by muscle. I'd love to take credit for that quote, but that was Dr. Lester Summerall. Praise the Lord. He said that. He said, what, what, um, God will not do with miracle what man tries to do with muscle. And that's what we're trying to do. The churches around America, they're so worried that they're not going to fill their buildings. And they're so worried that their churches aren't going to be relevant. You don't need a relevant church. You don't need a relevant church. I didn't follow Jesus because he's like me. I didn't need someone like me. I need someone who is not like me. I followed my example. It ruined my life. Yes. I need someone who was going to walk a higher level. I didn't need yes. someone I could relate to. Yes. Come on. Hallelujah. That's Jesus right. didn't become a man so he could relate. Right. He didn't say, well, you know, actually, I know you're doing this, so I'll try to relate, so I'll do it too. No, he came down and he said, I'm here to fulfill the righteousness yes. of the law. That's right. That's right. And if you don't like it, he said, I don't care. I'm here to show you the righteous standard and how God lives on this earth. Yes. And then I'm going to pay for your sin. I'm going to rise again. I'm going to, I'm going to endow you with power from on high. And you will be able to live just like I yes. lived. That's right. That's right. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So I don't need someone that was living like me. I'm so glad Jesus didn't live like me. If he lived like I did, we'd all be in hell. Because our Savior would have fallen from grace. And we would have been left on our own. Praise the Lord. Well, there's just such a move today to try to, to, to put the, the works of man into in, in church. You know, so anyway, 
25%. So don't get upset when you, you, you see people that will visit our church. I mean, my goodness. How many people have we had through the door? Different people over the last few years, uh, that building and then into this building, we've had, uh, I think, like 2,500, 3,000, somewhere in the, about 3,000 different people that have come through our doors. And we've had, what, about 10% of that stick. You know, maybe we have, uh, you know, 400 people that attend. Our attendance is usually somewhere between 3, 350 with 400 people that regularly attend. You always have a group of people that couldn't be there for whatever reason, right? You understand. So what is that? Well, why does that happen? The parable of the sower. Why is that? Because there's people that come in, they hear the word, but either they are the wayside's ground or they are the stony ground or they're the thorn ground right now if they just happen to be visiting and they have another church you understand but people that come in they feel the conviction of god they know in their heart they need to be part of a church like this and obviously there's others here in town it could happen it happens at other churches too and they don't stay connected to a church why because the wrong ground now notice out of that 25 percent it divides even further and out of that 25% that's left that actually does bear fruit for God, only one-third of 25% bears a hundredfold. Yes, that's right. So you break that down, that's about 8%. 8% of God's people will be a hundredfold fruit. That's right. That's right. Hundredfold. Wow. So you better make up your mind. Are you going to be a hundredfold? I'll tell you what, if you've determined to be a hundredfold Christian, meaning I will do whatever it takes, I mean God is first in my life regardless. I don't care what's going on in the economy, my family's even going to know that God's first in my life. I will love God even more than I love my children. I will love God even more than I'll love my wife. I will love God. Amen. Amen. There's nothing that's going to come between me and my appointment with God. That's right. Hallelujah. And I don't care what the devil throws at me because he's going to throw stuff at you. That's right. That's right. I don't care what he kick, tries to kick over in my path. It doesn't matter. I'm going on with God. That's right. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. So let's get to this. Let's play in the dirt, shall we? <laughs> I keep saying that. We need to get over and actually do that. So only one out of three or one out of four of these kinds of dirt receive so this is a parable about faith so let's get into the dirt number one let's go to verse 19 let's start by talking about the roadside or the wayside and now remember that represents people in their heart and their ability to receive well let's get in this this is the dirt that wouldn't understand all right i'm going to call this the presumptuous dirt <laughs> Meaning that these are the people that say, this doesn't pertain to me. Oh my goodness. Let's look at this. Verse 19, he says, when anyone hears the word of God and understands it not, then the wicked one comes and steals away that which was sown in their heart. Oh my goodness. People ask, they, they, they ask, well, where's the devil moving the most? Well, I'll tell you where the devil's moving the most. He's moving the most in the church. Why? Because the devil is ever-present to try to snatch away what you're hearing right now. And the number one way, you ready? This is the number one way that he does it. That word understand. Notice the people that understand not the word, that word gets stolen away. Now, that word understand doesn't mean that they can't figure it out mentally. It doesn't mean, oh, I didn't understand what the preacher was saying. 
It doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean that they can't grasp the method. It doesn't mean that they couldn't understand the steps to take. You know, it means, that word understands there in the Greek, it means to act. It means to act. It actually, uh, one definition of that word, I love it, it means to bring together or put together. And what Jesus is saying here is that the people, they heard the word and they didn't put it together that what they're hearing is absolute necessity for their life. Here's what I say. They had no urgency in how they heard the word. No urgency. There's people that sit in church here week in, week out. They have no urgency when they hear. I see them sitting there, passing time, yawning, sleeping, napping. What is that? A lack of urgency. What are they? Roadside. They're presumptuous, meaning this doesn't pertain to me. Here's what these people do. They say that I can get to the same destination with a different method. For example, I don't need to tithe. I can prosper without tithing. Yes, you can prosper without tithing, but the Bible says that sorrow will be added to you. Right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Right? Don't we have over there? In 1 Timothy 6 and 17, it says those that, that, would, uh, uh, that love riches will be pierced through with many sorrows. And I'll tell you what, if you don't tithe, it's because you love money. That's right. Come on. <laughs> it's the only thing. And I know because I've been there. I remember when I was uh, 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 a non-tither. And, 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 I, and people thought, you know, people get thinking, you get thinking, well, I have very little money, so I can't love it. You know, you think, because I have none. Oh, no, those people can love money just as much as a a rich person that has made their money dishonestly. You don't have to have a lot of money to love it. It's typically the people that don't have it that find themselves loving it even more. Why do you think it is the poor that are being destroyed by things like the lottery system? You don't see rich people in line buying lottery tickets. You don't. You see poor people in line buying lottery tickets hoping to get rich the easy way. What are they doing? They don't even realize it. It's just their nature. We're not here to criticize or condemn, you understand. But they're saying, you know what? Hopefully I can just prosper the world's way. And do you know the statistics on lottery winners? They're miserable. What is it, like 80 to 90% of them a year later have lost everything, have, have been rejected by their family, they've gained like 30 to 50 pounds, they become out of shape, they become lazy. Why? Because money without character is a curse. You've, you've heard me say that a thousand times. You've got you to remember that wealth has to be handled carefully. Because there is power with wealth. There is power with wealth. God wanted his people to have wealth to influence the world for him. That's right. That's right. Why are, I mean, do you think God wanted, uh, 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 God wanted the people that are out there crusading for abortion, do you think he wants them filled with money? Why? Because what do they do? They take that money and they use it to kill children. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't you think God would give, wants his people to walk in the prosperity of the world so we can take that prosperity and uh, 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 save people from eternal damnation? Yeah. Uh, uh, save children from abortion, yeah. Yeah. get the right character into people, right. get them, right? Amen. Hallelujah. That's Praise right. the Lord. Right. Why? Because wealth has power, and you have to have the right character to handle it. Yeah. And so what happens when people try to get rich that easy way, 
See, what, what are they doing? They're just demonstrating a love for money, sure. even though they have none. Yeah, sure. Now, can people who are rich and have gotten there dishonestly, do they love money too? Yeah. But loving money isn't reserved for only rich. It can, it can happen to anybody. Middle class, poor, the wealthy. Loving money is a, is a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of the checkbook. That's right. right? That's right. Oh, these are the wayside people. They think that uh, uh, this doesn't pertain to them. Oh, they have no urgency when they hear the world. Here's what they are. They're not teachable. They're not teachable. The wayside people hate conviction. They do not like God kicking them on the inside and saying, ooh, that's me. Ouch, hallelujah, right? See, the wayside, the roadside, that's what I said earlier, it is compacted. How many gardens have you grown on the shoulder of I-86? You don't. You don't grow any gardens there at all. Why? Because the shoulder, even on country roads, even if it's dirt, it's hard. And you throw a seed, that seed never gets in there. It stays on the surface so the birds can come and take it away. It's the same exact thing when a Christian is unteachable. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to do that. What, what is that doing? That word is staying on the surface and it gets caught away. And notice when the devil catches it away, it is gone for good. And it is unusable. And now since faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, when the word is snatched away, your faith is snatched away. Faith becomes inoperable to those who are not teachable. That's right. That's right. They don't want to hear it. Oh, I, 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 ooh, I don't like that. I don't like that business about speaking in tongues. I don't like that business about uh, paying my tithes. I don't like that business about being in church as much as I possibly can. <laughs> oh, come on. I'll tell you what, I'm in church as much as I possibly can. Glory to God, because the first thing at least that any of these soils did is put themselves in a position to receive. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The first thing we can do is at least understand that we have to at least put ourselves in a place for God to bless us. He's not watering his people at the movie theater. He's not watering them on the golf course. He's not watering them in the duck blind. He's not watering them in the the shoe store. He's not watering his people except for the local church when those doors are open. Hallelujah. The local church is God's hospital. Glory to God. It is his psychiatry couch. You know what I mean? It 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 is everything that the world has. The local church is all that for God. It is God's healing room. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. It is, it, it's God's uh, clinic, uh, anxiety clinic. Glory to God. It's his uh, uh, financial seminar. It, it is everything. Glory to God. It is his school. It is his university. It is his clinic in wisdom. Glory to God. But there's people that they just don't put themselves in a position to hear the word. Oh, come on. I heard it get quiet. hallelujah praise the lord well pastor tim you don't understand sometimes it's really inconvenient uh uh, for me to get to church tell that to jesus ask him about convenience jesus it's just inconvenient he's not going to say oh my son my daughter i understand He's going to say, inconvenience, what's that? 
He said, trust me, I had way more in my path than you ever had in your path. If there was ever anyone that it was the most inconvenient for, it was him. Amen. People thought they could have the same things with actions of their own choice. Meaning that they can get the same, the same place with their own actions. People think, well, I can still have a good marriage without being a part of the local church. No, you can't. I can, st- I, I can still walk in power, uh, 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 you know, some other way. No, you can't. People trying to get prosperous, people trying to uh, uh, walk in divine healing any other way, you can't walk in divine healing any other way. You can't. There's no other principle, there's no other uh, 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 way to get there except God's principles. That's right. You know, people are doing it all the time. Well... Oh, I'll be happier. Pastor Tim, you don't understand. My family and I, we need that time on Sunday morning to have family time. Now the, and they're saying, basically, we have to skip church because our life will be happier if we do. <laughs> no, see, God says he redeems the time. Yes, that's right. See, you make an investment of your time towards God, I'll guarantee you, he'll make the time you do have even better. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. These people, they don't see faith as a definite step towards their solution. That's what these people are, the wayside. Dirt number one. No urgency when they heard. They're not teachable. This is what I I, I also say. They had zero intentions at the moment they heard. Yeah, right. When you hear the word, it better be joined with an urgent intention to do what you're hearing. When I hear the word, even if, I mean, I have heard Dr. Dufresne preach on Matthew chapter 6, I would say two dozen times about his, his sermon on Behold the Fowls of the Air. I mean, I have heard that sermon. I am, I am not joking you, at least two dozen times. And every time more revelation comes out. Because Jesus said you will receive only at the measure in which you hear. That's right. So even if I heard the same sermon 25 services in a row, I'm going to show up with an urgent intention, an urgency when I hear that word, an intention to change, that it's going to do something in me. It's going to change an action or a reaction somewhere in my life. That I'm going to go, I'm going to leave that place speaking differently, talking differently, praying differently, whatever it is. Hallelujah. Do you have an urgent intention tonight to do what you hear? See, these are the people that are going to become the hundred, hundredfold people. Amen. They're so urgent about the word. I mean, there's people, and there's a hundredfold people in this room right now, that if I taught the same message a uh, hundred times in a row, you'd take notes every time. Yeah. you take notes every time. I'll tell you what, I do this thing. When I'm with my pastor, when I'm with Pastor Michael Oketic, when I'm with Dr. Dufresne, when I'm with uh, Brother uh, Chris D'Amico, when I'm with these, with these people of God, I have this mentality. Uh, this is something I've learned. I act like I know nothing. They might quote a verse to me that I say in my sleep, but I act like I just heard it the first time. I said, oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. Glad to hear that. Oh, thank you, pastor. Thank you, doctor. Thank you, brother. Whatever it is, I just act like I know nothing. Glory to God. I mean, that's the, kind of t- that's the kind of way we hear the word. We come in, it's like, listen, I'm not going to pretend like I, I, I know this before. Even if he's preaching on a message I've heard 15 times. It doesn't matter. I'm going in there with an urgent intention. Amen. 
Jesus said, give heed to what measure which you hear. Because what measure you hear is the measure you receive. And there's people that criticize our church, you know, like, what's all this amen in business? Everyone's always amen and praise the Lord, glory to God, shout, hoo, 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 hoo. Well, what, are they, what do you mean, what are they doing? They're being good ground. They have an urgent intention to do what they hear. Hallelujah. This is what these people do. They have zero intention when they heard. They didn't see faith as a definite step towards their solution. Now the devil steals away the word from their heart. They won't be there ever to use again. Faith is stolen. It's an operative because they didn't hear the word correctly. It matters how you hear. Hallelujah. Let's go to the second kind of dirt. Let's not be hard-hearted, unteachable. People that are unteachable have no faith. I'll tell you what, some of that's hard-hearted. I mean, there's something wrong. There's a disconnect. Because, man, when you're in the presence of God, it just softens your heart. I mean, my goodness, if I step one step out of the will of God, my goodness, it hurts. It just, like I say, it's like my lungs feel like someone just bends them into a pretzel. You know? Hallelujah. We should be sensitive to that. Glory to God. Let's go to dirt number two. Let's look at verses 20 and 21. Jesus said, but he that received the seed, or the word... Or you can say it this way, but he that received faith. Because that's what you're receiving when you're receiving the word. You're receiving faith. Glory to God. But he that received the word into stony places, the Amplified Bible says thin soil. The same as he that hears the word and immediately with joy receives it. Yet he has not root in himself, but endureth for a while or for a short time. And when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. The second kind of dirt, we're going to call this the offended dirt. Troubled dirt. Which equals shallow belief. The dirt's shallow. That's why that that plant grew quickly. But it had no root because it was planted in shallow dirt. Some people have shallow hearts or shallow faith. Oh, come on. Because they're offended. Offense is always shallow. There's nothing, nothing deep about an offended person. There's nothing wise about an offended person. There's nothing profound. There's nothing spiritual about an offended person. If you're someone that's just easily, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13 in the Amplified, easily provoked. If you're so easily provoked, I mean, if someone can get you mad on a drop of a hat, you're easily offended. Oh, I tell you what, there's something shallow about your faith. Something shallow about your faith. <laughs> shallow people are easily offended. Oh, amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to call this the offended dirt, the troubled dirt, shallow belief. That word stony there, it means thin or without depth. Notice in verse 20 that they received, uh, uh, at first, they received correctly. Look what Jesus said. But he that receives the word into stony places, the same as he that hears the word and immediately with joy receives it. Notice Jesus is talking now. He's upbeat in this verse. Why? Because uh, uh, in verse 21 you get the yet or the but, right? Verse 20, the people started off correctly. Notice the correct way to receive the word. With joy, immediately with joy. Immediately with joy is the way that you receive the word. Yes. 
And I'll tell you what, when you hear people in our church rejoicing, amen, hallelujah, what are you doing? What are they doing? Receiving the word with joy. Amen. Immediately. Because there's something about joy that, that leaves the heart open. There's something about joy that keeps you tender. There's something about joy that plows that dirt and prepares the word to go in there. I'll tell you what, there's churches all over America, they're not receiving the word with joy. And they're a bunch of wayside, hard-hearted, unteachable Christians. And it's like, they, st- they sit there, and it's like a funeral, and no one, you know, the, the, the preacher's just up there, yeah, dearly beloved, oh, do, 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 so, so hold on, dearly beloved, someday, yay, when we go over Jordan, it will finally be over, just hold on, hold on for another day. Hold on for another day. My goodness. If you weren't depressed before. (laughs) I've been in services like that. I mean, I've I've sat in services. I I remember sitting in one that was was here locally. And uh, they had a pastor. And I'm not trying to criticize anyone. It's nothing personally. But it's just like, I mean... Uh, and it was actually a, a service for people that had lost loved ones. And there was like 600 people there. And I attended it because I had some family that was there. And, uh, you know, he got up there and started saying stuff like that. And, and uh, I'm thinking, my goodness, these people's hearts are tender. They, they, they want to hear that God is big and that God's able and that God's willing to forgive them. And he's up there, you know, telling stories about why life is bad and why it gets worse. I'm thinking, my, I mean, I'm just chomping at the bit. These people need some hope. Yes. They need to have their faith provoked. Yes. They need to hear how God is going to bring them up and bring them out. That's right. That's right. They don't need, to, they're already low. They don't need the preacher bringing them any lower. We need churches that are receiving the word with joy. With joy. And I'll never apologize and I'll never compromise teaching this church how to respond with the word with joy. Right. Has there been people that have come in and they're like, I just can't handle the weirdness. That just feels weird. No, the reason why it feels weird is because our nation has so walked away from the things of God. I've had people say, no, I, gotta go. I go to this church over here because when I walk in there, and I go into that big cathedral and I see that stained glass and I see... The grandeur of that of the building, I just feel that God lives there. No, you are being more amazed by the abilities of man. Listen, I've been to some great, fantastic cathedrals. And you'd walk in there and your flesh is tempted to think God lives there. I mean, I walked into St. Patrick Cathedral down there in, in New York City and you walk in and you're just like, my goodness, this is beautiful. But just because a building is big and majestic doesn't mean that the power of God is flowing there. The early Christians had had the most miraculous move of God that the world has ever seen, and they held their services in catacombs, in tombs. Had nothing to do with the building. You do not feel God's presence because a building is, is pretty. Joy harnesses the presence of God. He moves towards joy. He's attracted to joy. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Verse 21. So these people, they received correctly at first. That's how you receive the word correctly. 
immediately with joy. Immediately with joy. Don't receive the word after the sermon's done being preached. Receive the sermon while it's being preached. Right? Praise the Lord. So they received correctly initially. Now just remember this. Joy is the best receiver. I'll tell you what. You want to receive receive from God, joy is the best receiver. I'll tell you what. That which you're believing for, I'll tell you what. The way you receive it is with and through joy. The joy, 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 joy. Let's look at verse 21. Let's get into this now. It says, yet these people, right, have no root in themselves, but they endureth for a while. That means for a little time. Wow, wow, wow. Now we know why they're shallow. Because there is no endurance. People that are shallow have no endurance. You'll, you'll see a person's depth. By what they're willing to endure. With true Christianity, there's no breaking point. Yes, come on. When you're sold out to God, there's no breaking point. There is no such thing as I will serve God unless that happened. There is no I will serve God to this point and then I'll go no further. That does not exist with God. But yet Christians, they have a they have set up within themselves a breaking point. I will serve God unless. I'll serve God unless. Come on now. People that are shallow have no endurance. They thought faith replaced endurance. Faith does not replace endurance. What I mean by that, they thought that their faith would exempt them from trial. Your faith does not exempt you from trial. Actually, Jesus said, hey, listen, as soon as you jump into faith, Satan is going to be there to try to trouble you out of it. As soon as you start believing the word and confessing the word and walking in this faith and walking in this power, there's going to come something to trouble you in your life to try to get you away from that faith. That's right. Oh, come on now. Faith does not replace your endurance. Faith has endurance. Real faith endures. My faith doesn't replace it. My faith has it. My faith endures. Glory to God. I'm so glad I did not quit pastoring because I didn't feel. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You know, I'm glad I didn't quit pastoring when someone hurt my feelings. Uh, I'm glad I didn't give up on God because it wasn't just going just hunky-dory right at the moment. I mean, you better just, if you are going to make a difference, the only way you're going to make a difference is through faith. The only way out of that troubled life that you feel like you're living is faith. Faith is the way out of trouble. Hallelujah. Faith endures during it. I heard Pastor Nancy say this. Uh, She quoted, I think, I don't know, a movie poster or something. And it was something that, I mean, it came from the world. It didn't even come from the word. But so many Christians are doing this. They're hiding from the storm when they should have been dancing in the rain. Boy, isn't that good? And the the world thought of that. That's exactly what Christians, we should have set the example of that. You know, she brought the fact that the world has a movie called Singing in the Rain. But that's what a lot of Christians are doing. They're just hoping to avoid. They will follow God hoping to avoid trouble. Don't you follow God hoping to avoid trouble. 
you follow God that when trouble does rear its ugly head, you're walking in the power to know how to overcome that thing. Hallelujah. I'm not following God because I, I expect everything in this world. Listen, Jesus said over there in John 16, 33, he said, these things I, I, I say unto you that in me you will have peace. He said, in the world you will have tribulation. That's right. Trouble will come your way. Trouble comes. Trouble comes. But guess what? It comes to the sinner and the saint. Sure it does. But the saint that's taught in the word knows how to get over that trouble. We shouldn't just, you know, I tell you what, the ability to endure isn't just to wait for the trials over. Listen, I tell you what, time can solve certain troubles, whether you're born again or not. Anyone can wait out a test. But are you passing the test? That's it. That's it. Come on. Are you passing the test? Yes. Listen, I'm going through the test, but I'll tell you what, since I'm here, yeah. I'm going to pass it. Yes. I'm going to get a good grade. Yes. Glory to God. I'm going to pass the test with flying colors. Yes. That's right. Faith is the only way to please God. That's right. Faith is the only way to please Him, right? Yep. Hebrews eleven six. but without faith, it's impossible to please Him, for yep. he that believes God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So troubles are going to come. It's just going to be a matter of are you going to please God in that trouble or not. Don't let time solve your trouble. No, come on. Let faith faith. solve your trouble. Yes, yes. People are trying to do that. They're trying to just let, well, I'll just wait it out. No, we shouldn't be waiting the storm out. We should be singing in the rain. Dancing in the rain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, that's the power of God, is the ability to have joy in the storm. Jesus got into the boat in Mark chapter 4. Went, he said, get in, we're going to the other side. Yes. Remember this? Oh, yes. Mark chapter 4, starting around the 35th verse. He said, get on in, disciples, we're going to the other side. It says, but yet while they were in the midst of the sea, there came a, a storm, the uh, Amplified Bible says, of hurricane proportions, so that the wind and the waves beat into the boat. And the boat was filling with water, was near sinking, but Jesus was sleeping in the hinder part of the boat on a pillow. Jesus wasn't a failure because he felt the storm. That's right. That's right. He, 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 he was passing the test. Yes, passing the test. Why? Because he was resting. Yes. He was resting. <laughs> Come on now. Troubled dirt is what they are. Here's why they couldn't endure you ready right remember it says in verse 21 that they they had no root they didn't endure notice that your endurance is your roots i mean the depth of your endurance is the depth of your roots amen but here's why they couldn't endure you ready this is why they couldn't endure they lost the joy that they had when they heard the word this is why people don't endure. Because there's a lot of you here tonight, you're receiving with joy. This is a good crowd. You're receiving correctly, immediately with joy. But will you hold on to this joy? Will you walk in this joy after you leave and when you go through the test? See, if the devil steals your joy, he steals your endurance. If he steals your endurance, he steals your root. Right? If he steals your root, he makes you shallow, right? Shallow ground. You don't want to be shallow ground, do you? Mm-mm. 
The same joy that you're expressing tonight when you hear the word is the same joy that will carry you all the way through. It's the same joy. I'll tell you what, it's easy when you're, when you're surrounded by a bunch of Holy Ghost saints here that are rejoicing in the Word with you, but when you're standing there seemingly by yourself, seemingly by yourself, will you choose to put on the same joy you're receiving with now? Because the same joy that made you a good receiver tonight is the same joy that's going to make you an overcomer tomorrow. Hallelujah. Get a hold of it. Get a hold of it. Here's why they couldn't endure. They lost the joy that they had when they first received. Here's the assignment of offense. Right? They got offended. Here's the, here's the assignment that offense has to steal your joy. That's what offended people cannot be in joy. If you are offended, you are out of joy. Right? Out of your ability to endure. Out of your ability to be rooted to God. Ultimately, out of your ability to receive. Do you see how the devil works? Get you offended, steal your joy, steal your ability to receive from God. If you're going to receive in 2012 and in the first half of 2013, I tell you what, you better make a decision right now to be a person of joy. I decide right now that no matter what I face... No matter what it looks like, I have determined to do James chapter 1 and verse 2. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials and temptations, knowing that the trial of your faith work is patience. Let patience have her perfect work, that you may be entire, whole, lacking nothing. James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4. Yes. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Notice it says, count it all joy, yes. meaning it wasn't joy. Right, right, right. It didn't feel like joy, because if, if it felt like joy, you wouldn't have to count it joy. Yeah, right. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Amen. So that's dirt number two. Dirt number three. And you're thinking, my goodness, he's only halfway through. Well, they go quicker from here. <laughs> the devil is trying to trouble people out of their position to receive the coming blessing. Remember why? They were troubled. And their trouble offended them. Can, it, can trouble offend you? Can a broken down car get you mad at God? You know what I mean? Can, uh, can symptoms in your body get you mad at God? I thought this faith business worked. I thought the word did. Oh my goodness. The devil always wants you to question the word. I thought it worked. I thought it would do this. I thought it would keep me from trial. (laughs) The devil is going to try to trouble people out of their position to receive the coming blessing. A troubled heart is an unbelieving heart. Never forget it. A believing heart is a light-hearted heart. Light-hearted. I'm light-hearted. I don't mind telling you that. I'm light-hearted. And my goal is that I'm light-hearted. My light-heartedness will be there regardless of what I'm going through. I believe that people would have no idea whether someone just gave me a million bucks or a creditor just showed up and gave us a bill for a million bucks. You wouldn't know the difference. That's right. You wouldn't know the difference. That's right. Amen. 
right? You wouldn't know the difference if I'm having the, you know, uh, the quote-unquote proverbial best day of my life or a massive trial just showed up in my life. My goal is that you would have no idea. Yeah. I ask this all the time. I, my, my goal is, you know, if you know of any, you know, crisis or trial that I've gone through in my life, just raise your hand. And a lot of times people don't raise their hands because, is that to say that I haven't gone through trial? Of course I've gone through trial. But I just don't, I don't, I don't broadcast it. Yeah. Do yourself a big-time favor. Facebook is not an outlet to broadcast your trouble. <laughs> oh, my, my. Say, so, well, Pastor Tim, you act like you just got to act like everything's going right all the time. Listen, I don't have to act right. I don't have to act like anything. I'm not trying to act spiritual. I am. And what I mean by that, so are you if you're born again. People say, oh my goodness, he's trying to boast of his spirituality. No, 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 no. I'm spiritual not because of what I've done. I'm spiritual because of what God's done. I've just received his spirituality. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. A believing heart is lighthearted, even in the face of trials. Praise God. Let's go to dirt number three. Verse 22. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it become and he, he becomes unfruitful. The person becomes unfruitful. Why? Two things in this, in this scripture. The care of the world. We're called dirt number three, the worried dirt, and the money-minded dirt. I'm going to call it this, the need-minded dirt. Your mind is constantly on your need. <laughs> Come on now. You're always thinking about your needs. God didn't call you to think about your needs. He called you to think about the supply he has for you. That you're a supply-minded person. You're supply-minded. Hallelujah. The worried dirt became preoccupied with needs when they should have been preoccupied with the supply. The need-minded person allowed money to talk back. Notice it's called the deceitfulness of riches, meaning money has the power to try to deceive you. And for money to try to deceive you, it's got a voice. Sure, money sure, talks. Sure, sure, sure. The world knows that. My goodness, I remember there was a song in the world, right? Money. Boom, doom, boom, da, boom, ding, boom, bing, boom. Money. And everyone's, you know, and what they're, what they're doing, they're singing about that, they're singing about their needs. They thought that money was going to make them happy when they didn't realize that money comes to people who are already happy. Yes. I've said that a thousand times, I'll say it again, let it get into you. He received seed among the thorns as he that, was, that heard the word, but the worries of the world and the voice of money choked out their fruitfulness. What does money say to you? It says, you'll never see me again. That's what money tries to tell you all the time. Once you let me go, 
I'll never be back this way again. That's what money is saying to every potential tithing Christian. If you let me go, I won't come back. When God says, when you let it go, I'll make sure it does come back and it will come back multiplied. I do not let money have a voice in my life. I don't obey it. I don't, tell, I don't let it tell me that I, I have enough or don't have enough that's right. to that's obey right. God. That's right. that's if right. God speaks me and tells me something to give, and he's done this more than once, about the last penny that I got, I give it. Yeah. Yeah. Because right. money comes easy. Yeah. Money comes easy. It comes easy. Yeah. Easy come, easy go. It flows into my life. It flows through me to, 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 to provide for the that's right. kingdom of God. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. And because you, the, the thing is, is that you're in fear about money coming back to you. Therefore, it won't. Oh, yeah. That's Not God's way. You can prosper the world's way, but you can't prosper the world's way and be happy. Yeah, that's right. Hence, Hollywood's dilemma. Oh. My goodness, they've kept the National Enquirer in business for... I mean, my goodness, what would the tabloids do without the depression of Hollywood? Yeah. Newspapers. Making millions of money on people who are trying to get happy with money, and they're not. That's what they are. Oh, come on. Are you letting money talk to you? You should be uh, supply-minded. When money says, you'll never see me again, you should say, oh, no. The Bible says that he multiplies my seed sown. According to 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 10, he multiplies my seed sown. Uh, Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men pour into your bosom. Right? right. How about Proverbs 11, 24? A liberal soul shall be made fat. Yes. That's right. Not that kind of fat. People say, oh my goodness, I'm definitely not giving then. It's talking about, that word fat means well supplied. Right? We know over there in Psalm 37, verse 25, David said, I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen uh, the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. My kids will never have to be concerned about money. That's right. That's right. Why? Because the generation of the upright shall be blessed. Psalm 112, verse 2, verse 3. And wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endureth forever. Amen. That's right. Praise the Lord. Well, I don't think that really means wealth and riches. Well, what do you think it means? What do you think it means over there in Proverbs 10, 22, and it says, The blessing of the Lord makes you rich. And he adds, no sorrow with it. What do you think it means over there in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18 when God said, I have given thee power to get wealth, that I may establish my covenant with you as I did with your ancestors. What do you think that means? What do you think David meant when he prayed in 1 Chronicles 29, right around the 11th or 12th verse? What do you think David meant when he said, Father God, wealth, riches, and honor come from you. What do you think the Bible means? In 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17, it says, God has given you all things to richly enjoy. 
People say, well, see, where people get tripped up in their mind is they think that selfishness is included. Listen, don't you think I'm selfish until you know the seed I've sown. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. You don't drive by a farmer who's got stacks of grain in his silos. You don't accuse him for having more. You don't go and say, well, that farmer's got three silos full of grain, and this, this farmer over here's got one silo of grain. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't accuse. No, you're right, you're right. He'll say, well, what's wrong with that one with three? Something wrong with him. No, you just know he sowed more seed. That's exactly it. That's exactly right. Don't you criticize the Christians that get blessed? Don't you listen to the ABC or NBC Dateline or Nightly News or whatever it is about Kenneth Copeland and Creflo Dollar and those guys? I have no personal connection with those guys, but all I know is I have some insight into what they've sown. Oh, yeah, that's it. Oh, that's it. That's right. I happen to personally know men who have received hundreds of thousands of dollars from those ministries. Oh, yeah. To, to, to send missionaries into the world. They've given airplanes to missionaries. I think Kenneth Copeland now is up to 31 jets he's given away. Given away. So missionaries can get to these places of the world. I mean, the gospel is going all over the world. How many churches has, has that ministry founded? How many Christians are being taught faith? People blame him. Do you know that God led him to that property there in Texas? There was no man's land. But guess what was under that ground? Natural gas. And he owns the property. He happened. God said, go buy that worthless piece of property. Okay. Guess what? It happens to be one of the richest natural gas deposits in the world. Yes. He doesn't even make a salary from the ministry. Doesn't have to. The thing is, I don't even personally, I'm not personally affiliated with Kenneth Copeland. I, I love his stuff. I, I personally don't even feed off his material. He's a great teacher of faith. He's solid through sure. and through. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm just, I, so I have no personal agenda to pr- promote Kenneth Copeland. I just happen to know people that know him personally. And what the world is doing, they're accusing a farmer for having more grain than everybody else. Well, he's sown more seed than anybody else. Well, anyway. Fear was trying to destroy these people in, in uh, verse 22. The worried dirt, the fearful dirt, scared of the economy. That's what this dirt is, the worried dirt. They're money-minded, scared of the economy, preoccupied with their needs, and so on. All right. And then, of course, verse 23, 23, 23. <laughs> sound like Tweety Bird up here. 23 says, but he that received seed into the good ground is he that hears the word, understands it, and bears fruit, bringing forth a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold return. Now, as we close, let's just review some things that we learned that kill faith. I'm going to give you nine things. There might be more in these scriptures, but I, I just dug out nine things that will kill faith. Or you could also say the reverse side. These are nine things that if you do the opposite, will activate faith. Number one, this is what kills faith. No urgency when you hear the word. Number two, 
No intentions to act on what they hear. Glory to God. See, when I hear the word with urgency and when I intend and I make it my heart's decision to do the word that I hear, my faith is going to work. Number three is endurance. People with no endurance kill their faith. People all over right now. Let me just tell you a little something about this season that we're in. It's a season of temptation to quit. It's a temptation. It's a season to give up. It's a season to quit and stop manning your post. I'll tell you what, if you don't man your post, God will find someone who will, and they will get the blessing that belonged to you. I'm just telling you, not that God wants it that way, but he'll, just, he'll bless. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16:9, the eyes of the Lord range to and fro, searching throughout all the earth to find those whose hearts are perfect toward them, that he may bestow or show his strength on their behalf. No endurance. Number four, something that kills faith, a troubled heart. Or on the other side, that which energizes faith is a light-hearted heart. Light-heartedness. Number five, lack of joy. It'll kill your faith. But joy will cause you to receive and it'll energize your faith. I'll tell you what, that's why when the worship... My goodness, what a good teaching moment. When the worship team's up here... And there's times when the Spirit of God comes on them and you start seeing them dance around and just shout and, and, and get excited for God. We don't just sit there. I'll tell you what, the last thing I'm going to do is stand by on the sideline and watch someone else be a better receiver for the things of God than me. That's right. That's when the Spirit of God starts moving, when you start to see your pastor, your ministers, I'll tell you what, the Defrain meetings start one week from tonight. Yes. Get ready to bring your joy. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And I tell you what, when that spirit gets moving, even if I don't feel like it, I jump in. Why? Because joy is always a good receiver. It's always a good receiver. I tell you what, I have more likely to be in faith expressing joy than standing there like a spiritual bump on a log. That's right. <laughs> Lack of joy really dries up your life. Say, well, I'm just waiting for something to make me feel joyous. Well, then you might be waiting a long time. Because joy isn't a feeling, it's a choice. Praise the Lord. Things that kill faith, worry and fear. Worry and fear. I tell you what, you're just going to have to let some things go. Stop being so worried. Worry is a sin. I'll tell you what, the Bible likens worry to drunkenness. People say, well, I haven't had a drink in years. Well, okay, good. Either have I. But are you worried? I know what it was like to be addicted to alcohol. I was for several years. I haven't had a drink since January 18, 2003. Praise the Lord. Not one drink. Not one. Praise the Lord. Glory to God for that. But I'll tell you what. Worry will destroy your sobriety like alcohol will destroy your sobriety. That's right. Alcohol will limit your, you know, it will limit your ability to make good decisions. Worry will do the same thing. That's what worry is. Destroys your ability to make good decisions. Worry is the opposite of wisdom. You know you're not walking in wisdom when you're desperate. You know? Wisdom is the ability not to live in desperation. People are always trying to, you know, 
trying to find their, their joy in life, well, you better just choose it. You better just choose to d- decide right now that you're not going to live in desperation. Here's another thing that kills faith, offense. The seventh thing is offense. Do you know where offense comes from? Wrong motives and wrong expectations. See? People get offended in this word. They got offended because trouble came because they thought their faith would spare them troubles. And they got offended. See, they had wrong motives and expectations. I'm not seeking God just to be spared from trouble. Those seeking God will spare you from a lot of trouble. But I'm not just seeking God just to be spared from trouble. I'm seeking God because he loved me with Christ. He won me. He won my heart. He won my loyalty. He, 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 he absolutely just won my allegiance when he gave Christ. Hooked me. Especially now as a dad with two sons. To think that a father would give a son for rotten lowlifes. Because that's what we were. He gave, he gave his son. And it, I mean, uh, a God who is perfectly righteous and perfectly loved to give a son to, to absolute sinners. It's just, it, it does. It goes beyond your ability to think about it, you know. Here's the eighth thing that kills faith is that you're need-minded. You're need-minded. Always thinking about your needs. Always thinking about what you lack. Always thinking about... Well, how, what, what's it going to look like? How are you going to make ends meet and all that stuff? And the ninth thing that kills faith is, by, is believing money. Listening to money. Money that says, oh, I'll never come back. You'll never see me again. Uh, you won't ever see me. It won't be the same. Just say, yeah, you're right. It won't be the same because when you do come back, you'll be multiplied. You'll come back bigger and better. Did you get some help here tonight? Yes, you did. Praise the Lord. Parable of the sower. Have you decided to be good dirt? And now this is the, the kind of the, 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 the bonus here is the fifth kind of dirt that isn't mentioned. That's the dirt, that's the dirt that won't hear. Right? The fifth kind of dirt that exists in the world is the dirt that won't even put themselves in a place to hear the word. So every time you skip church, guess what you are? You're the fifth kind of dirt. <laughs> You're the dirt that didn't even make the chart. You're the dirt that got left out of the parable. <laughs> I, can, I can just imagine. I went down to that church. That pastor called me dirt that didn't even make the parable. No, what I'm saying is, is that's what, that's what you're making yourself. Just, you, you just a, a dirt that no seed got planted in. Because all these dirts had at least seed thrown on them. This is seed that nothing got cast on them. No potential. Yeah, right. No potential. That's exactly what people do. Every time a person skips church, they're killing potential. Yes. Yeah. Someone better start writing down some of these quotes. I got a Facebook later and I need something to say. Let's pray. Let's get ready to take up an offering as well. Father God, we love you and praise you. We love you with all of our heart, Father. Our faith isn't motivated by what we've done, Lord. It's motivated by what you've done. Lord, your love is in us. We don't treat people right to get something. We treat people right because you first loved us. And when we love people, it's an extension of our faith. And Father, tonight we decide to be good ground. Good ground. Where people were teachable. Father, we're urgent to hear the word. Father God, we're not hard-hearted. 
Father, we're not stony ground. We're not shallow endurance. Father, we're not worried. We're not afraid. We don't let money talk to us. Money doesn't tell us what to do. We tell money what to do. And Father, we thank you. We thank you that we're overcomers. And Father, we're not going to miss. We're not going to miss this season of blessing that is around the corner. Father, you're positioning the body of Christ to receive at a higher level. And Lord, we also know that the devil would love to try to trouble us out of it, try to pull us away, try to move us into doubt and unbelief. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Give you all the praise and the glory. Now, Father, as we take up this offering tonight, we know that as we sow seed into good ground, Father, it comes back, pressed down, shaken together, running over, multiplied back to us. And Father God, we thank you. We endure. And Lord, you said that, that we would reap if we faint not. For Father, you said over there in Galatians 6, 9, you said, grow not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap. Father, we thank you that our season is coming. Our season is coming. Father, you said over there in Psalm 1, 1, you said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands or does the things that sinners do, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the word of the Lord. We could read it this way. Lord, we could say, hey, our delight is in the faith of the Lord. And in your word, we meditate day and night. We shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water that will bring forth our fruit in our season. Our leaf shall not wither. And whatsoever we do shall prosper. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, we sow with joy tonight. We give you praise and we give you glory, Father. And, Father, we all say together, but my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. Brothers, you may serve the people. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Rachel, can you go up and join the team? Can we play that song again just like we did uh, uh, waiting here for you? Let's all just go ahead and stand to our feet. Let's just worship God here for a few moments. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Faith can move the mountains, so let the mountains move. Come with expectation, waiting here for you. 
you, Father. We glorify you. With all heads bowed and with every eye closed here tonight, if you're here and you just know in your heart that you need to be right with God, you know that maybe you've walked away and you need to rededicate your life here tonight. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, tonight's the night. Tonight's the night for you to make that step and say, Lord, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I'm not doing it out of ritual. I'm doing it because it's real. It's because I feel the tugging of God on my heart, and I want to be right with God. Or maybe you're here tonight, and you are a Christian. And you've made Jesus. You, you at one time asked Jesus to come into your life, but you're not walking with him like you should, and you know it. And God's not here trying to condemn you. He's trying to bring you out of condemnation. He's not trying to judge you. He's trying to bring you out of judgment. But if you're here tonight and you know in your heart that you need to be right with God and you're willing to make a step towards Him tonight, if that's you, could you just lift your hand here tonight so I can see it? If you just know you need to to get some things right with God, just go ahead and get your hands up. Praise the Lord. All right, you can put your hands down. If you're here tonight and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, But tonight, you'd like to ask him into your heart. You'd like to be saved. You'd like to make sure that that heaven is your eternal home. The Bible does teach that there is a hell. But the good news is there's a heaven. He didn't make hell for you. He made heaven for you. And you can go there and you can be there. And, and, And more than that, you can live a life right here on earth until you go to heaven. You can live a life of victory, a life of peace, a life of joy. But if you're here tonight and you can honestly say, Pastor Tim, I've never made that decision. I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. If that's you, could you lift your hand right now, please? I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to make you take a microphone. But right there in your seat, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and then I'll lead us all in a prayer. You can pray right there at your seat and make Jesus the Lord of your life. If that's you tonight, could you lift your hand, please? Is there anyone that you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life for the first time? I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure, I'm just feeling led to go that way, that you know you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. But we had several hands that went up for rededication. Let's all just pray this prayer of commitment to the Lord. Let's pray this, everyone, just pray this out of your mouth. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your great love that you demonstrated when you gave to me Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, for my sins Lord Jesus tonight I dedicate I commit my life to serving you I will live for you all the days of my life to please you to follow your word to be led by the Holy Spirit to be a part of the local church Lord I desire Above all else, that you are pleased. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. You know, God's not beating us down. He's lifting us up. Praise God. Folks, we are going to stay for prayer meeting. Uh, We're going to go ahead and and transition. We understand that there's people uh, that have children and whatnot that uh, they pick up in the nursery and they got to get them home or whatever. But if you can stay for prayer meeting, I highly recommend it. We're just going to spend some time seeking God. Amen. You're just, you're, let's go ahead and transition.